0: Welcome to The Hope Project. On this podcast, we talk about matters of sex, sexuality, relationships, shame, and so much more. The goal of this podcast is always to bring hope to your sexuality and freedom from any unhealthy views you may have been taught growing up. And if you've enjoyed what this project is aspiring to do, then there are a couple ways you can support us. First, you can leave a review on the channel. This helps us stay relevant to the audiences we are trying to reach. Second, you can go to our Patreon and see how to support us financially. We are so grateful to all the people who have supported us and continue to support us on this project. This episode is a part of season two. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the trailer for season two, I recommend you do that now before listening to this episode. On today's episode, we have Anna and DD Dee Dee joining us. They are both nurses at local hospitals. They both serve as midwives. And we're going to be talking about contraception and just a little bit about the methods, the history, and how we as Christians should be thinking about it. So even if you are a male and you're not used to thinking about these things, I really hope you stick around and listen to this because it's important for all of us to realize how should we be thinking about methods of stopping um, the the birth of life um, and the conception of life. So let's dive on in. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast today. I'm sitting here with DD and Anna, and we're going to be talking a little bit about contraception um, and the different options, and I honestly have no idea (laughs) where this is going, Um, but they have a lot to share, and so I'm excited to hear about it. Um, But before we get into that, could you guys just share a little bit about yourselves, kind of what your story is, what you brought up to uh, this point in your life? Sure.
1: Um, Well, I have been a nurse midwife for... 31 years. I've been a nurse for 37 years. And I've worked in many different settings, um, hospitals, home birth, um, birth center births. And um, I, my career has kind of led me to this point where I'm working in a hospital based midwifery practice with Anna, which is super fun. And I have seen God's sovereign hand in this because I'm also a Biola adjunct um, Mm -hmm, nursing faculty. mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it was sort of through that that Anna and I met and just in recent months started working together. And we just have a blast um, working in the clinic and then in labor and delivery together. (laughs) So it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I am married to my dear husband, Paul, and um, our adult children um melissa taylor and caroline all shout out um, shout out to the yeah. kids we were we have been at biola for many many years because mm-hmm. we did biola theater together mm-hmm. and each of them went to biola so mm. we're a big biola family
0: that's awesome
1: but anna
0: <laughs>
1: yeah
2: so my name is anna i went to biola for undergrad nursing school um i chose biola actually because i wanted to be a midwife i mean not a midwife i don't want to be a midwife <laughs> at that time, um, I wanted to be a missionary actually, uh, so that's why I chose viola. And uh, my mom told me I should be a nurse, so I and moms about are always it. right. They are, yep. Prayed about it and realized, like as a nurse, you can go to close countries. You have a,
0: mm-hmm. you can build a yes. very personal
2: connection, especially with women. And women are often mm-hmm. marginalized mm-hmm. Uh, in societies. Uh, our own some, but mm-hmm. mostly mm-hmm. around the world. Yeah, um, it's. So a very vulnerable time. And so that's why I became a nurse. And then just um, in nursing school at Biola, um, got to go on a trip to Rwanda with one hmm. of the professors, Glenn Stifey. Um hmm. And that really, that trip was pivotal for me. And that's where I decided to be a midwife, really, wow. is I saw uh, one of the a taxi driver, um, his name was Solomon. He would pick us up every morning and bring us from the... our compound to the hospital um, Mm. and one day he didn't show up and we were a little confused. Is this cultural? Is this Mm -hmm. just being flaky? Is this something real that Mm -hmm. he's struggling through or something wrong? Um, And so we found out towards the end of the day that something was wrong with his family. And we come to find out that what was wrong was actually his wife had carried his third child to term um, and they lost... uh, his wife and child in oh, childbirth, um, mm-hmm. overnight in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, he has three boys and he, uh, we got to meet his family. Um, wow. we got to be with him in his grief and it was out of that grief and that witnessing of like that hard reality that I was like, man, if I want to be a missionary and I want to be helping, like, I got to know my stuff and I want to mm-hmm. give mm-hmm. not just what, um, cause if you go somewhere as a nurse, right you sometimes the only medical person and they expect a lot out of you, yeah. but I don't just want to be there because I can, but I want to be there to give them my best. And so yeah. I'm like, if if I would become a midwife to help people here, then I will become a midwife to help people there. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's still my goal wow. and I will still go for it. So,
0: wow. Yeah. That's a powerful story. I love um, that. It just shows the practicality and the opportunity of your guys' work. Like you guys are on the front lines of, Human mm. suffering, but also human life, mm. um, yeah. and nurses. I don't think get enough credit for that. Uh, mm. We're like everyone, kind of is envious of you. You work three days a week, <laughs> and then you're done. <laughs> uh, for some nurses, um, but we kind of miss that you guys are there while people are dying, while mm. people are sick when they get their cancer diagnosis. Like you guys mm. see the totality of human emotion, of just you know despair to joy to anger mm. to regret. And you guys are there. And so yeah. we need more Christian nurses that can actually have a foundation to give people where it's not just like a comfort in the moment, but there's a comfort for eternity that you can offer. Yeah. And so I love nurses. <laughs> like, I love nurses so much. i oh, so grateful for what you guys do. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so we're talking about contraception um, and someone listening, hopefully they know what it is. Um, but if they don't, could you guys kind of explain what is contraception and what kind of defines it?
1: So any good uh, discussion on contraception should really begin with conception Mm. Um, uh, and Years ago, 1991, there was a wonderful article about infertility hmm. in Time magazine. And um, I have read this at childbirth classes through the years because I think it's a really miraculous description of what takes place. And um, before we talk about how to not have this take place, um, mm-hmm. we need to understand the really the miracle of it. So it says couched in a halo of nutrient cells, an egg smaller than the dot on an eye drifts slowly down a fallopian tube, one of a pair of narrow passages that lead from a woman's ovaries to her womb. Like a beacon guiding ships at night, the egg sends forth a calling signal. A convoy of sperm, the remnants of an armada that was once a couple of a hundred million strong, sails into view, their long tails thrashing vigorously. Lured by the chemical signal, several hundred of the most energetic swimmers close in on one egg, their narrow tips unleashing a carefully timed sequence of biochemical salvos, One substance dissolves the jelly-like veil surrounding the egg. Another softens the egg's tough outer shell, preparing it for penetration. In the last moments before conception, a few dozen sperm race to break through the final barricade. One, and only one, succeeds. The instant it tunnels its way past the egg's outer layer, an electric charge fires across the membrane, and a signal from the sperm causes the eggshell to snap shut blocking entry to any remaining contenders. The successful seed then releases its tightly coiled package of DNA which fuses with the egg's own DNA and sets in motion a series of genetic events that culminate Nine months later in the birth of a new human being
0: that's probably one of the coolest stories I get chills I have ever reading heard. it <laughs> <laughs> like I want to read the whole novel that, yeah. that is that that's yeah. oh my gosh it's I've really... never heard conception described in that just beautiful of language yeah,
2: yeah. it's a miracle it almost yeah. like birth and conception it feels like you're on holy ground
0: yeah a little bit so the first I've always thought that the first sperm was the one that won but the first sperm is like the sacrifice apparently, because it's the third or fifth or because they're all kind of weakening. (laughs) So it's like almost like there's like this storming the gates aspect. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That was a cool description and Mm. beautiful all at the same Mm. time.
1: Yeah, so actually, Anna's got quite a lot to share um, just even in the realm of contraception. But um, I wanted to just kind of frame this talk as we were talking about it. um, The sort of main text in the Mm. Field of this um, that is used to kind of guide understanding and whatnot is called um, contraceptive technology and just the fact that technology is mentioned in Mm -hmm. something like this kind Mm -hmm. of connotes the fact that this is a significant field that has um, you know sexuality is complicated there's Mm -hmm. a morality Mm -hmm. attached to it and some um, dilemmas and some good things so I hope that Anna, why don't you just take it from there? <laughs> Share some <laughs>
0: thoughts. Do you have a story?
1: Uh, about contraception? <laughs> so uh,
2: I think just like what more on the tub on the definition part,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, I think it's important too to, to realize that um, when the perspective of contraceptive technology and the main text that's available for contraception really talks about pregnancy uh, as occurring with implantation
0: hmm.
2: which we all know that fertilization occurs mm-hmm. in the fallopian tube yeah. prior six days um, at least prior to implantation occurring and so when they talk about failure rates of of contraceptive devices or the the rate at which you are preventing pregnancy um, mm-hmm. that's the rate at which you're preventing implantation
0: from occurring. Hmm. Got it. So to put it in my terms, <laughs> you yes. have you have you know a man and a woman, hopefully married, <laughs> have sex, yeah. um, and the sperm goes in and it fertilizes the egg, but it takes about 6 days for that to then be implanted into the fallopian tubes yeah um, and that's when it starts growing and splitting yes. but it's technically so it fertilized before then in the uterine lining so yeah it, yeah
2: it, it, when it's released from the ovaries yeah, yeah. It goes into the fallopian tube got it uh, it's fertilized usually in the fallopian tube in the ampulla and then travels down another 5 to 6 days um into the uterus where it then implants.
0: So, the so when what what we're saying is, so contraception, is it talking about that period in between the fertilization and implanting? Is that contraception or is it broader than yeah, that? Yeah,
2: so contraception um, talks about preventing um, a pregnancy from ta- taking mm-hmm. place. And so mm-hmm. I think though the formal definition would be Preventing conception—that's actually what they're designed to do, and I think mm-hmm. that's where they get their name—is they're designed to prevent conception. But mm-hmm. it gets really blurry to tell because most of these methods um, really affect multiple different parts. So, part primarily they probably do prevent, hopefully, the ovulation from occurring, mm-hmm. which would prevent mm-hmm. conception from mm-hmm. occurring. Mm-hmm. However, uh, when it's all said and done, because there's so many effects um, from Slowing the tubal motility to, um, to thinning the wall of the uterus, it's difficult to actually know at what point, mm-hmm. um, it's preventing a pregnancy from occurring. Got it. Which-
1: yeah,
0: it's, which yeah.
1: actual mechanism it is. Yes. Yeah, is yeah.
0: which is important it. because mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. condom technically is a contraception, right? Technically, right. Um, but that's the one that's <clears throat> stopping fertilization from occurring yes. because there's no sperm entering. Mm-hmm. But there's other forms that are called contraception that are really contra implementation because it's not stopping maybe conception, um, but it's stopping pregnancy. Yeah, um, the goal is to stop conception. Yeah, 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 yeah. but
2: then. What ends up happening yeah, it happens exactly. after the
0: fact and so that's why we're talking about this today yeah. um, one because not many people do talk about this but yeah. two because if we're christians and we value life and depending on when people think life starts but if we agree that life starts at fertilization then it really matters what kind of contraception you're using mm-hmm. um and we're not here to give a specific one <laughs> right. but we're here to give some wisdom um, and some insight and some even history of like okay which ones should we be thinking, like, maybe these are good for us? And you kind of figure that out? And which ones are like, okay, probably should stay away from those ones? Um, sure. But before we get into, like, the specifics of contraception available today, could you guys explain a little bit of the history of this? Because this wasn't always, I think, <laughs> it wasn't always technology, I don't think. Um, so how has contraception evolved um, in its history?
1: Well, it's interesting when you can Google this and get yeah. all kinds of interesting yeah. um, pictures and cartoons about it and whatnot (laughs) but um you know the very real thing of a chastity belt you know Mm. um, back in the middle ages it's true that um, is contraception (laughs) it is it is in a big way um and even you know in ancient egypt crocodile dung you know that it was used as
0: (laughs) explain that explain that to us you know
1: the actual i'm i'm picturing that maybe it was used in you know in Internally with the women, I'm, oh, wow. I'm not actually sure. But how, this is
0: like a historically like proven practice. Like these, this is how they yeah, did
1: it. Yeah, wow. when you understand a bit about that and bringing it more into the turn of the century,
0: mm-hmm. last century, not this mm-hmm. century, you know,
1: mm-hmm. this year. Um, but um, they're on the books from 1872 to 1965. Were um, what are known as the Comstock Laws. And it made it illegal to disseminate birth control methods. Hmm. So that was kind of the the mindset. And up until 1965, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. such an interesting time period. And yet... Um, there were efforts made, um, you know, turn of the century women, you know, ads that you can find, um, of women being encouraged to use feminine hygiene, such as Lysol that Hmm. we clean, you know, use as a cleaning product. Women were encouraged to douche with that and it was sort of marketed as though it was, um, something to keep her very fresh, but it was actually thought to be something that would, you know, kill sperm. Hmm. But actually there, you know, were um, plenty of cases of poisoning and and death and and tissue damage that would happen to that. Um, You know, it was in 1916 that Margaret Sanger, um, the Mm -hmm. founder of Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. um, started kind of going to bat for women to provide, um, you know, contraceptive um mm-hmm. things. Um and, you know, Planned Parenthood has been around a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and is certainly in the news now in a very mm-hmm. different different way. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. but nineteen thirties diaphragms and condoms were um something that you would pay a hefty price to get. Oh really. And um So
0: condoms were they not when do you know when they started?
1: Um, You know, I don't know the actual history of when they were. I just know that, you know, one reference talked about um, that in the 1930s that it was like, you know, half of a a week's wage to be able to get devices. And they were sort of mail order (laughs) devices and and that type of thing. Um, And um, so... It 1855.
0: 1855. Okay. But then by 1930, they were hugely expensive. Like if you think about what they're for, one-use thing, hopefully. Um, yeah. And to be that expensive, like who would – only the wealthy could probably afford them.
1: Right. Very – yes, not um, something – well, and plus there was the social consciousness of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, being aware that this is – you know, something that had a morality attached mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're aware that in the um, 60s, the, the first birth control pill, the pill, mm-hmm. um, was a high dose estrogen pill. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, we look at it now and we realize that it had real health risks mm-hmm. to it. But I'm pretty sure that um, was
0: developed by a Catholic uh, scientist. I'm pretty sure I listened to a podcast on this, uh, which is really interesting. If you think of like the Catholic faith where they're like, no contraception. And I'm pretty sure as a Catholic man who in, kind of invented uh, the the pill, basically, hmm. which is it's fascinating. Uh, but keep going. <laughs> it is
1: well, and I this is a good time to insert a disclaimer in case I, I don't have all of my facts, you know, uh-huh. completely right of timing or whatnot. That you know, but that that could be the case. We will
0: trust you with our whole heart. So oh, even good. if you say falsehood, we will believe it. <laughs> you are good.
1: <laughs> well, just timeline. Um, you know, we know that. Everything changed in 1973 when, mm-hmm. you know, Roe versus Wade became mm-hmm. the law of the land and abortion mm-hmm. became a, um, you know, an option and, you know, where things have, have led from there. But beyond that, um, you know, what Anna can go into some of the different methods, um, but the reality is that there are, it, you know, sexuality is... It's considered something very personal, and yet it's mm-hmm. got all kinds of things attached to it, mm-hmm. you know, politics mm-hmm. and, um, you know, morality and yeah. and things. So, you now that's a little bit of the background. On and
0: it, I've heard reports that they're in, like, the testing phases of a male contraception, um, like, not in terms of condoms, obviously, because those are around, mm-hmm. but in terms of, I think, something like a pill for men. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have heard about this at all, but I feel like... Contraception is probably still evolving. Like we're not, we sure. haven't reached the pinnacle of what the pills are and what they could be. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where we're at in thirty years and what kind of technology we have. Sure. But what what kind of technology do we have right now, Anna? <laughs> can you explain a little bit of the different uh, contraceptions that are available?
2: Yeah. So um, there are many different types, and mm-hmm. they are still evolving. Um, contraception, I think it's you can get. Caught up in all the different types because there are so many Mm -hmm, options mm -hmm. and forms. There's like Mm -hmm. anything from a shot to an implant to a pill that you take to a patch that you wear Mm. to an IUD that's placed inside the uterus to condoms um, Mm and to a rhythm method where you actually Mm -hmm. time um, your cycles to abstinence. Those are all Mm
1: -hmm.
2: within the realm of contraception. There may be even some that I missed, however. Um, I think it's helpful when talking about contraception to realize that even though it sounds like a menagerie Mm -hmm. (laughs) of different types, Mm -hmm. um, there's really, when it all boils down, there's two types, I would say. Uh, There's a hormonal form, um, really, Mm -hmm. and a non-hormonal form. Mm -hmm. And so that's the two types. And then within the hormonal form, you really only have two types (laughs) within that form. And that's the ones that are, or maybe I should say three. No, really, too. I guess so that you have the progesterone form and mm-hmm. then you have the combined form, which is the ones that are combined of estrogen and progesterone. Mm-hmm. And so really, all of these different methods boil down to that.
0: Hmm. Um,
2: and so I think that's helpful to understand when thinking through contraception is like first deciding, you know, what, what are the hormones within that menagerie, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then what... Um, are the more barrier-type methods Mm -hmm. versus... And then abstinence is actually a method, Mm -hmm.
0: so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty proven. Pretty proven Mm -hmm.
2: method, only one that's 100%. (laughs) Uh.
1: Well, and even the Billings method, the timing of abstinence time, you know, within marriage that you're kind of... So maybe exp-
0: explain that method, the Billings, is that what it's called the Billings method? Um, also, the, I call it the temperature <laughs> method. Simpleton. I have a, a close close the friends method. of mine who they do this and some people think they're crazy hmm. and others think they're geniuses. So what is this method of temperature and Billings?
2: Yeah, so basically it's being aware of your body's um, response. So um, your temperature changes. So typically after ovulation occurs, your temperature increases um and Mm -hmm. so when you see that increase you know that ovulation has occurred however you just know that it has occurred so Mm. the timing the exact timing of like when that occurred is a little bit blurry Mm. but um you just know that once you see the temperature rise it's occurred already in the past so um And then the cervical mucus does thicken and change once Mm -hmm. ovulation occurs. And so it's really keeping track of those things to understand your body and when you ovulated. Typically, ovulation occurs on day 14 of your cycle. So day one Mm -hmm. is when menstruation starts. And Mm -hmm. then day 14 from there is typically, on average, when you ovulate based on a 28-day cycle. Mm -hmm. Although we know that Mm -hmm. not everyone has a 28-day cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really just being aware of your body and trying to predict it as close as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. You want to, with that, the fertile understanding, like when the fertile window is, is really important. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. typically we know that the egg survives, is fertile for 24 hours. Hmm. 12 to 24 hours is after that window of an ovulated egg, it's no longer able to be fertilized. And then for a sperm, they survive only up to 72 hours. And so... Mm -hmm. That means that the fertile window is usually what you'd hope is that sperm would be present when the egg ovulates. So, Mm -hmm. usually, it's a few days, you're most fertile a few days before ovulation. Got it. Um, And then typically, they say a few days after, depending on when the egg is released and if there's sperm there or not. Got it.
0: So, you're looking at if you're a married couple, you can have sex for probably. 24 of the days of the month but then the other six to eight it's kind of like no you use a condom or just don't have sex um, and so that's kind of the method where it's like okay we can have sex on these days because I'm checking my temperature um, yeah. and checking other things and then when I realize uh oh might be ovulating hopefully it's regular um, yeah. it's a regular yeah. cycle um, which is not often the case um, and so on those days it's like okay we're not <laughs> we're not having sex um, and so it can be a pretty effective method but the problem is with it is that I think it's when maybe you don't have a consistent ovulation period um, or if you forget to check. <laughs> so it's a, it could be a big user error, um, which is yeah. probably with a lot of these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I think one of the things that's really amazing about our bodies is is God's design. With even the fact that cervical mucus around the time when you ovulate is thin and slippery, mm-hmm. like egg whites, and mm-hmm. it's just the perfect atmosphere for you know sperm to make it through. You mm-hmm. know, and then even things that happen physiologically during intercourse. You know that the uterus. Um, you know, with contracting will um, kind of cause the cervix to swing hmm. um, forward to receive, you know, the, the sperm that, you know, have been released there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it. I, I think all of these things point us back to God's amazing design. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, I don't know. I think that is a yeah. good framework for... No, it's cool to see things. how the
0: body... It's kind of doing the work itself. Like you're not actively thinking about, okay, like I need to ovulate now. Right. Like it's not a conscious thought, but your body's just naturally preparing for a life giving process, um, which is so cool. Absolutely. And there's no, there's no conscious yeah. thought yeah. of a lot of these processes, that it's just yeah. happening, which is really cool.
2: It's really cool.
0: So what are what are some of the other options we're looking at? You talked about you have the two major groups, which is hormonal and mm-hmm. non-hormonal. And then mm-hmm. within hormonal, you have like progesterone and then combined mm-hmm. things. So what are some of the other common methods out there um, that we should be thinking about?
2: Yeah. So I think, you know, I want to kind of back up a little bit too, because mm-hmm. I think before we like counsel, uh, people on like maybe what types of contraception are out there I think we have to ask ourselves some questions first yeah. about um, yeah about pregnancy and fertility and um, are we looking to have children or not looking to have children and mm-hmm. I think um, we're really in understanding this um, and maybe we'll talk more about the biblical perspective later but I think it might be helpful to talk a little bit about it yeah. before we dive in yeah Um,
0: so what, what should Christians be thinking about? What are the questions we should be asking before we even come to picking a contraception?
2: Yeah. So I think, um, we should really be asking like, what is our heart kind of behind this? Like, um, we're kind of, I think the two principles that we're dealing with here is like one, I think a lot of people, when they approach contraception from a Christian perspective, they approach it out of Uh, I think, the biblical principle of stewardship Mm -hmm. of I want to steward, you know, my fertility well and I want to care for my children and my family well and I want to be prepared uh, for this. And so contraception um, is a means of having pregnancy timed um, for health or Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. being ready for children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's one thing to consider but then i think it's also good and then to also know on the flip side is we're also weighing the value of, of human life um mm-hmm. and the preciousness of that gift and that mm-hmm. as much as we try to control it yeah. um it is given by god yeah and we don't have control over mm-hmm. the the life that he chooses to give um mm-hmm. and so i think realizing you know i think Genesis 9, 6 is a good verse on this. Um, He makes it very clear. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Psalm 49, 7 through 8. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never Mm -hmm. suffice. So I think just the the high value and the high gift of human life versus the stewardship. So I think those are the two principles Mm -hmm. that kind of underlie probably how Christians approach contraception. Um, but I think that's important because when I don't think when people approach contraception, I don't think they realize um, the later you go, your chance of infertility. So with age, infertility mm-hmm. increases mm-hmm. naturally. Mm-hmm. And it's actually slightly it's at a higher rate than I was aware of before I became mm-hmm. a midwife, mm-hmm. uh, before I studied this. Mm-hmm. Um so. Infertility rates. I think it'd be helpful to understand yeah, this. Yeah. Um, so your chance of infertility age 20 to 24 is 6%. Um, age 25 to 29, you're looking at 9%. Mm-hmm. 15% is from thirty age 30 to 34. Mm-hmm. And then from 35 to 39, your chance of infertility just across the board is 30%. Wow. So
1: hmm.
2: for well-meaning people who are like, I really want to have my job and career together. I think that's mm-hmm. well-meaning and can be mm-hmm. a good thing because the goal is to steward this yeah. your children well. But at the same time, I think it's good to also count the cost of, you know, when I'm 35, I may really struggle yeah. to even have a child, yeah. um, let alone two or three children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so...
0: And there's going to be a lot of pain and just That's sadness important. and grief mm-hmm. when you're trying and trying and trying and you yep. just can't yeah. have a kid.
2: And so I think it's good to want to be prepared, but then it's also good to understand that are we ever prepared? And then two, <laughs> <It's laughs> this will come up more later as we talk, but the role of the body of Christ and, in, in being a support. And are we limit? I think a question is, are we limiting God by our own hmm. pride of wanting to be prepared rather than understanding that, you know, our fountains are in mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. and He, um, life is from Him, and yeah. the life that He gives, He, He is ultimately caring for.
0: Yeah. Well, you have this balance of is. yeah stewardship. So like we wanted, we want to do this well mm-hmm. in a way that's holy and healthy and, and Christ-like. And then there's this other option of like, okay, but this process that we're doing is bringing forth something that has an insane amount of dignity and worth and value. This is mm-hmm. like life-giving. This is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we don't want to control so much yeah, <laughs> of yeah. our lives and realize that God is ultimately in control. Now, obviously, we play a role in that. Um, and so there's this balance of like, let me steward this well by taking it into my hands, but at the same time, having my hands open to align him to mm-hmm. kind of do what he wants to do. And yeah. you kind of you kind of walk that line. Yeah, I feel like especially, which that's the Christian mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. Um, really. But contraception, contraception is a perfect kind of example of like, we're going to take the this kind of pill or we're going to use this. So you're kind of taking it in your own hands. But at the same time, it's like, God, but we're leaving this open yeah. to you as well. <laughs> and there's that balance yeah. of like the give and take of yeah. realizing both those mm-hmm. things. And so. to
2: realize your fertile years are very, they're limited and yeah. they're precious too. And that's yeah. a gift from God. Even yeah. that, that window of time of like uh, when he allows you
1: to be able to bear children, like
0: that's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. gift. And Yeah. I Funny feel like
1: so much of mm-hmm. um, our life as believers is trying to get the me monster off of the throne. You mm-hmm. know, like we're mm-hmm. it's all about me and my pleasure, my pursuits, yeah. all that. And even though the they're kind of um, you know, as Anna described, you know, well intentioned, but um, much of what happens throughout, just even the the pregnancy experience is a revealing of, you know, Lord, do I trust you? Mm -hmm. You know, with this, I didn't Mm -hmm. picture it going this way, um, this timing, um, or, you know, this result I'm getting in this Mm -hmm. test or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's another way of, of just trusting God's sovereign hand in our life and, Mm. um, how he kind of slays those idols in our, Mm. in our life. So, and I think another Absolutely. Another question that we should also ask
2: ourselves is, what's the purpose of sex? And can we remove procreation from sex? And I think there's differing opinions, even mm-hmm. in Christian circles. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Bible gives a clear black and white answer mm-hmm. of of whether or not those two things should always be tied or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there can be some issues that arise out of uh, maybe removing the consequence of pregnancy, if you should put it as such, um, mm-hmm. from having sex because um, I think when you remove that consequence, in my mind, it seems that that can foster uh, maybe make sex outside of marriage easier um, mm-hmm. in some forms because it, it doesn't come with it mm-hmm. with childbearing and having to support the life of a child um and i think with that um even from a if we move back to the physiologic and physical perspective Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of like the more sexual partners you have the more chance of having a serious infection Hmm. happens and that further increases your rates of infertility so like even just after one more serious uterine infection um your chances of infertility go up 12% after wow. one episode. Wow. After three episodes, it goes up 54%. So wow. you think like, yes, this allows you, in some people's minds, you know, having contraception frees them up of like, I can have sex mm-hmm. without pregnancy. And so though you may not want it to encourage maybe multiple sex partners, maybe in some way it does, which hmm. does increase your chance of infection and even the contraceptive, the hormonal types themselves, actually increase your risk of infection um, hmm. because they they put your body into sort of a pseudo pregnancy state, which is an immunocompromised state in some hmm. forms. So you're more likely to get an infection hmm. even just by taking
1: the contraception. Yeah. So I think those are important things to weigh. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the very fact that you have um, found the purpose in this broadcast, you know, the Hope Project. I -hmm. I love that. It represents the fact that we are really broken, um, Mm -hmm. even in the body of Christ. And I love Biola's former statement, you know, think biblically about everything, Mm -hmm. Mm because I think that is really how we should view all of these things. And, you know, Anna touched on that, but it's very easy to think in a worldly sense of about, um, our bodies, our lives. And, um, it's very hard to not, especially in the area of, of, um, sexual pleasure to not just get super selfish and Mm -hmm. focused on, Mm -hmm. you know, what's good for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think, given the baggage that people bring in even into their marriages as believers, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that there have been examples of broken relationships, there has been abuse, um, mm-hmm. damage by sin, mm-hmm. things like that. And um Christ's um sacrifice on our behalf um gives us the potential to be cleansed from mm-hmm. all of that hurt and mm-hmm. damage. And I think that having just even the ability um, as a couple to enjoy the pleasure of, of sexual um, intimacy um, is is something far different than the worldly perspective of, um, you know, sexual pursuit, you mm-hmm. know, for, you know, Cosmo magazine, you know, that would, <laughs> you know, encourage it. And so I think it, it really is, you know, I know one of the things you wanted to know as Christians, like, what should our perspective be about mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. so.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting, too, about the selfishness. I think the world kind of frames it last point before we jump into the methods. But Mm -hmm. um, the world kind of frames it not in a selfish light. They frame that like the intro to the contraceptive technologies books actually promotes contraception as a as a means of it actually says to eradicate extreme hunger and poverty. Mm. to promote gender equality and combat HIV AIDS, to ensure environmental sustainability and achieve universal primary education. That's Mm. the, they recognize that contraception is a moral issue, but that's how they frame it. Mm -hmm. When in reality, they're solving a moral question with a physical means when really like whether preventing pregnancy, um, these, all of these issues ultimately come from the sin nature and the Mm -hmm. brokenness of the world. And you can't, fix go about fixing that i Hmm. think through contraception it doesn't make Hmm. sense even just logically
0: contraception isn't necessarily a solution to any problem Mm -hmm. it's more of a a, maybe a helpful aid at times or in your context it could be a helpful thing but it's not we can't view it as like the greatest (laughs) gift ever although it can be helpful um and kind of putting it in its right right place place. and position so what are some of these (laughs) some of these options. Um, we talked about the Billings method, the temperature, (laughs) um, but you talked about hormones and different, uh, other ways of doing it. So what, what kind of are some of the options we're looking at?
2: Yeah. So I think, you know, if you go to any doctor's office and talk about contraception Mm -hmm. with them, they'll, they'll start the conversation, um, by giving you the most effective methods up front because in their minds, um, or from a healthcare standpoint, why would you want to take something that's least effective? Mm-hmm. They want to give mm-hmm. you what's most mm-hmm. effective. So mm-hmm. usually the conversation begins with um, hormonal contraception. It's actually said to be more effective than even sterilization. Um, mm. The rates of an IUD to be effective, um, the failure rates on that is like 0.1 to 0.2%. Wow. And sterilization is 1%. And so it's pretty – So. Um, kind of (laughs) mind-blowing if you think about it yeah but so they'll usually frame the conversation with starting with the hormonal methods Mm -hmm. um primarily the iud's because um they can an iud can be placed and be left in place for five years to 10 years Mm -hmm. which is quite a long time yeah
0: yeah um it's a big commitment
2: yes although you can take it Mm -hmm. out at any time Mm -hmm. but i think even just um for people who may not understand, like five years down the road, their fertility is going to be a lot yeah, different yeah. if they leave it in the whole time. Yeah. So, uh, those are the the IUDs. Um, what however, are what are
0: maybe some of the negative? Like what? Yeah. What do these hormonal kind of contraceptions do to your body? That's a good. Because again, question. especially as a male um again most guys that are listening to this which i'm sure some turned it off because like oh contraception not about me which one is very selfish um but two it's like we're not understanding maybe what this is doing other than stopping a baby from being formed but i know there's so much more going on um in these hormonal contraceptives and other contraceptives so what is this doing to a woman's body yeah so Um, i think
2: um i'll talk about that but i think before we get to that, I think it's important to know too that from a Christian perspective, they're giving you the rates of implantation. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. At what point is this stopping a pregnancy from Mm implanting or Mm -hmm. fertilizing? And I think as a Christian, it's good to know that when we approach any of the hormonal methods, though it may be a low chance that you could be preventing a fertilized egg from implanting, I think it's, still a very real possibility that that could indeed happen Hmm. and so i think just as a christian approaching the hormonal types though that might be a negligible possibility um it is a gray area Hmm. Um, and the research is not conclusive there's research actually on both sides some of the research paints a picture that it is conclusive that it does in all cases most likely stop fertilization from occurring. However, there's plenty of research that suggests that it's not as clear cut as people uh, would like to believe that it Mm -hmm, is. And mm -hmm. so I think because it is really difficult to define um, and to be conclusive about, I think it is something we have to understand Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that that is a potential. And so beyond that, though, if you're looking at the health risks, um, you're looking... With the combined methods, so the estrogen, progesterone type. So this Mm -hmm. is probably the most common. It's the hormonal pill Mm -hmm. that you take Mm -hmm. when you're, unless you're postpartum, it's usually a combined method. Um, Mm -hmm. And so with that, the risk uh, primarily is... It puts your body into a pseudo pregnancy state. So a lot of the health risks that you incur with being pregnant and a lot of the symptom changes that happen when you're pregnant, those are similar to the symptom changes and the health risks that are present um, when you're taking contraception. Mm. So the most uh significant one I would say would be your chance of a venous thromboembolism, which means if your blood is thicker, um you're more likely to get a blood clot. Mm. Um so that's with the combined methods um Mm -hmm. there's if you're a smoker there's a slight increased risk of a myocardial infarction um Mm -hmm. or an mi so i think those are for women over 35 who smoke that would Mm -hmm. cause that um Physically, you got symptoms of bloating, fatigue,
0: hmm.
1: breast tenderness. Uh, you just feel like you're pregnant. So, <laughs> and sometimes decreased fun. libido. You know there mm-hmm. are different pills. There's actually a little cookbook um, yeah. that you know, depending on the symptoms you're having, that you need more of one kind of hormone and less mm. of the other.
2: Yeah. and mood changes as well. Yeah. A lot of women who struggle already with depression or Uh, psychiatric illness, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even anxiety, um, do not tolerate the hormonal methods well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's to consider. And so this
0: is why a lot of women maybe will start on a certain hormonal one and then realize, I don't like this. And it's not just because Mm -hmm. there's, you know, I don't like the type. It's because it's like making them feel (laughs) not Mm -hmm. normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's often for a lot of women because for sometimes it's like the pill doesn't affect you at all. And other times it's like really affecting your mood or making you bloat or giving you tenderness and so mm-hmm. how do you i mean we can get into some more things but how do you you can't know that going in can you everyone responds
2: differently yeah um slightly so it's hard to know exactly what your specific symptoms mm-hmm. will be mm-hmm. um and i think it's interesting because so the contraceptive technologies book frames contraception of like it's safe they frame it as mm-hmm. very safe and I think from a medical standpoint, they frame it as safe because they're comparing it not to not taking contraception, but they're comparing it actually to pregnancy. So they're Mm. like, well, this is safer than being pregnant in some Mm. forms. Yeah. But then I think we have to realize that the value of pregnancy is to deliver a child. And so, yes, you're making a sacrifice and maybe incurring some risk. But at the end of the day, you have a child out of it. And so with contraception, you still incur many of the risks that you incur actually with pregnancy. Um, But uh, there's not the value of human life afterwards,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So some of the um, non-hormonal methods would be barrier methods, such as a diaphragm, cervical cap, Condoms. Mm-hmm. Um, those are intended to be used with spermicidal agents, though, too. So it's a Got barrier it. plus to head the sperm off at, you know, before they have a chance to get going. So
0: are those not as, like, why wouldn't everyone use those compared to a hormonal? So one? that's
1: a it
2: commitment. Comes, <laughs> it takes a commitment. And I, <laughs> I guess that comes down to the effectiveness. So with an IUD, you're talking, you know, less than 1% chance of. Mm-hmm. pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a condom you're talking about potentially an eighteen percent failure rate.
0: Wow. That's so, high. <laughs> and
2: that's uh probably if you're more conscientious and mm-hmm. better at using them, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm.
1: rates are better. But yeah. and better if you use spermicidal agents. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: so normally you go with the hormone because it's quote unquote more effective. Yeah. And the physical ones are not necessarily the most effective way of stopping. take a lot more work. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> daily
1: takes forethought or yeah, kind of purpose. decision. Of, well, it's yeah. not as
0: sexy to have to stop and put something on in the moment. So couples, I think, normally result to the hormonal one because I can take this before the moment even arises and we don't have to like be more conscientious about right. this and plan this and different things. So right. that makes yeah. sense.
2: And the only method that really protects against sexually transmitted infections is actually the condom.
0: Got it. So So, (laughs) there's a lot of, a lot of different options, a lot of pros and cons for each of them. So if you had a couple come to you guys right now and said, we have no idea where to start with this stuff, where should we start? Um, What would you guys say?
2: So I think that depends on first having them think about, you know, when they want children, how many Mm -hmm. children Mm -hmm. they want. Um, And then I would hopefully explain to them uh, the the hormonal methods if you are a Christian or if you do feel uncomfortable with the fact that you may be causing a fertilized egg not to implant mm-hmm. if they're comfortable with that, which actually some Christians are because the intent of contraception is to prevent pregnancy. And so mm-hmm. though there is a consequence or a potential consequence um, – I think some would argue that the intent is still a right intent.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting.
2: Yeah. yeah. So they'd have to probably answer those questions first. And mm-hmm. then if they were okay with a hormonal method, then mm-hmm. I guess those would be options. And we'd mm-hmm. probably go over the most effective ones first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then...
0: And so would that be the IUD? That is would that be the, the IUD would be the most effective. Most effective. And What's then, the second most effective <laughs>
2: It would probably be the implant, Got it. Um, which goes underneath your skin. Mm-hmm. In your um, arm. Like, in your arm. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, um, there's a shot, a really high-dose progesterone shot, which no. has additional health risks of bone loss, bone density loss.
0: So the IUD gets put in for anything up to 5 to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Depending on which type of IUD you have. Um, yeah. And then the shot, how often do you have to – do that <laughs> every three months every three months yeah. okay i'm trying to like map out like <laughs> yeah but you
1: also have irregular periods got it you know and you and can have has, you irregular spotting, spotting yep. and right mm-hmm.
2: and there is a type of iud that's actually non-hormonal um a non-hormonal IUD it works with using copper and so the copper acts as creates a toxic environment for sperm and egg um and so that also is a method is it is classified as an abortifacent it's the only method that's classified as an abortifacent because it can be used as an emergency contraceptive Mm -hmm. device um yeah so i think yeah but probably if pregnancy has not already occurred and it's not being used as an emergency contraceptive device i'm not sure that it has abortifacent properties in that case Mm
0: -hmm. but Mm -hmm. at the same time. So for the hormonal side, we have, well, you have the Billings method, which is not hormonal or physical, really. It's mm-hmm. just it's kind of its own thing. But for hormonal, you have the IUD, the implant, and the pills, uh, and the pills. So those um, are and like... the shot, and then
1: NuvaRing, which yeah. is is like a diaphragm, but it has
0: hormones. It's kind of both. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then, in the physical, you have condoms, the diaphragm, and is there anything? The cervical
1: cap.
2: Cervical cap. Um, which is similar to the diaphragm. It just gets placed on the outside of the cervix and works similarly. Mm-hmm. And then condoms, I think I think those are the main Yeah. Main ones.
0: And so we're here to like basically you guys would say it's like it's not like any of these is necessarily better than the other. But it kind of comes with wisdom, asking mm-hmm. those essential questions yeah. before you even get to it to figure out, okay, what yeah. kind of works for us as a couple? Yeah are we smart enough to plan? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, so then we can maybe do the more physical ones. If maybe we don't trust ourselves, we can go maybe with a little more hormonal, but then there's even underlying questions underneath mm-hmm. that. It's like, okay, well, yeah. what is this whole process about? How do we do this? And so even moving from that, like, what would be your hope um, for Christians and just thinking about contraception? Like overall, as an idea, what would be your hope for Christians and thinking about it?
1: Yeah. I think um, it always comes back to issues of the heart. You know, Anna mm-hmm. has shared some thoughts about about that. I think, as far as um, individual as a Christian and also just the body of Christ, um, recognizing that um, you know we can choose the best method that works and everything, mm-hmm. but we can be negligent in our relationships. Yeah. We can, yeah. you know, be selfish. We uh, can be demanding and Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what it is, you know, legalism never works. So Mm -hmm. we can't say Mm -hmm. this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, it all comes down to the heart, you know, Mm -hmm. are we, um, preferring one another? Are we, um, considering others needs more important than our own? Are we, um, living with each other in understanding ways. Are we confessing our sin to one another? And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, some of the issues that you're tackling on this show, Mm -hmm. um, coupled with, um, you know, just what the church is supposed to be, um, you know, biblically equipping us to know how to take those things that, um, impact our relationships, you know, baggage from the past and, and, learning how to live with each other in truthful and understanding ways. And even though you're asking specifically about contraception, Mm -hmm. but um, I I think the discussion is really framed um, for the purpose of looking at our sexual intimacy altogether. You know, Mm -hmm. that the church, you know, should be caring about those things, getting, you know, to the bottom through equipping with, you know, biblical teaching Mm -hmm. that helps Mm -hmm. us to understand how to Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: really care about our our mindset about these Mm -hmm. um things so yeah
2: i think to praying for wisdom from god um that his whole like that he would guide your thoughts on this and that you would go to scripture to answer these these deep questions of like what's the purpose of sex what's um stewardship you know what how can i honor god with this part of my life um i think so knowing that you're this these are big issues these aren't Mm -hmm. just Mm light-hearted issues these Mm -hmm. are serious questions that you're having to to answer and nowhere does the bible say how many children you should have or Mm -hmm. when you should have Mm -hmm. them or what type of contraception Mm -hmm. method you should try i think there's only one Maybe one form of contraception mentioned in the Bible with the story of Onan, right? <laughs> but even then, he yeah. used like what coitus interruptus, where like he wasted uh-huh. his semen. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. and God actually <laughs> condemned him because of his heart. His yeah. heart was uh-huh. avoiding uh, his responsibility as a kins- kinsman redeemer. Um, mm-hmm. So, God didn't fault him for necessarily the coitus interruptus, but mm-hmm. really the matter of the heart. Yeah, is what God looked at. Of, yeah, he, he was not um yeah honoring god with with Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. with his sexuality and so
1: pray 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 for wisdom (laughs) um and i think also just even touching on the topic of infertility um and you know you could have a whole show just on the topic of infertility Mm -hmm. issues um, I think similar to these, uh, the discernment we need with technology, um, as people are, are trying to go into that next season of life and maybe delayed fertility mm-hmm. um, causes them to have to make decisions yeah. about, you know, what does in vitro look like yeah. and how many embryos would you implant and yeah. what about selective reduction and, mm-hmm. um, th- you know, things of, of that nature. So I think, you know, it really, um, you know, there's, it, it all causes us to have to come back to the Lord. And, and like James says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God Hmm. and he will give you. And, Hmm. um, so yeah, those are, yeah.
0: So it sounds like with, with contraception, it's not a matter of what they specifically are, although that matters. I mean, it's ultimately a matter of where are you at? <laughs> like where are you mm-hmm. at with God? How are you thinking about these things? Where's mm-hmm. your heart at? What's the wisdom in this? It's not necessarily like here's the Christian right methods or here's the even the right quote unquote way of thinking about mm-hmm. this, but it's what is your posture in coming to this as a couple? Mm-hmm. How are you thinking about sex? How are you thinking mm-hmm. about children and how are you thinking about? the contraception we can kind of stop some of those things and so Mm -hmm. it's not a matter of hey here's the four practices and we don't use these four you're a sinner (laughs) or (laughs) you know you this is the only way to do it or like since we do it as a couple this way then you have to do it this way and this is a Christian way Mm -hmm. but then it's also at the same time not the flip side which I think pastors sometimes just maybe say broad statements about here's maybe some biblical thoughts about Mm -hmm. it but then aren't engaging with you on the practicality of like okay, but what do we do? (laughs) Mm -hmm. We get the wisdom part, but we're still not sure like how to maybe live that out in the Mm -hmm. current era. Um, So I think that's helpful because I think we have both of those camps. One, we're focused almost primarily just on the practical side. What should we be doing? But then the other camp that maybe focuses just primarily on the Bible says this, (laughs) so to figure it out. Um, where I think we need what you guys are talking about a little bit more of this kind of immersed, like seek wisdom, pray about it, mm. you know, get to your heart, what's going on. And also here's, <laughs> here's what science and some of the options are and they're good.
1: That I, I want to just give a little plug too for Dr. Um, Albert moeller's um, show the briefing it's, mm-hmm. you know, you can access it. And he talks about a lot of the political aspects of things that are going on in culture. And I think it helps take you back to. To some of the biblical thought and take us out of the craziness of worldly thinking about mm-hmm. a lot of what's going on, because it, so much is upside down right now. Mm. And um, I think that's important, even you know, as Christians, when we're setting our hearts to have marriages that glorify the Lord. I think kind of understanding um, the culture that we're living in and the pressures that are coming in from other places, and mm-hmm. and you know, wanting to, you know, kind of change objective truth and whatnot so it all it all comes back to all these decisions that Mm -hmm, we are making mm -hmm. and
0: which is just so cool because the bible is not always giving you a blueprint for your life Mm. but it's giving you a relationship that you have to use wisdom and kind of kind of learn as you go it's not like here's the five steps to get to heaven although there is (laughs) a step to get to heaven Mm -hmm. um but it's like in terms of like what do you do from the point of salvation to eternity mm. it's kind of like the relationship's probably the most important part of figuring out how do we kind of work this out um, as we're going mm. when matter if it's contraception or surrogacy or different things that are just very new to mm-hmm. the modern era mm-hmm. um, just because they're new doesn't mean that we now have to throw out the Bible or throw out wisdom or throw out practicality. It's like, Hey, do what we've been doing <laughs> for Christian history, which is relying on Jesus, trying to figure out how this works in our cultural context and like live the most faithfully to that. Um, And realize we're going to make mistakes sometimes, and that's okay. Ecclesiastes,
1: Uh, I forget what chapter it says, increasing knowledge is increasing pain. So, you know, with some of the wonders of technology come the dilemmas and, Mm -hmm. you know, absolutely wanting to think biblically about yeah. Sweet. things so
0: sweet well, this has been awesome guys appreciate it uh, i think a lot of people are gonna be blessed and i hope that there's a lot of men listening <laughs> so this <laughs> isn't become just a women's issue on having to figure it out by themselves so thank you guys thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and if you're still wondering about what contraceptives you should be using with your spouse or partner or whatever we'd ask that you just talk to someone about it. Talk to an older couple, someone who's been married and been doing this for a longer time, or someone in your church or your community that just knows more about these issues than maybe you do. And talk to them and figure out what works best for you and your partner. And again, if you could leave us a review or share this episode with someone you think it might impact, this all greatly helps us. Do what we are trying to do on this podcast, which is bring hope to those who are struggling with their sexuality, who are struggling with their sexual lives, who are struggling with even the idea of what it means to be sexual. We hope that Dee Dee's and Anna's words today gave you hope for your sex life and for your future planning of kids and so much more beyond what you could have ever imagined. We hope that they have given you a sense of freedom in this, a sense of purpose in this, and a sense of direction in figuring out how do we look at contraceptives. And as always, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.